0: Hello, I'm Kyle Corbwell and this is On The Money, a weekly look to get the best out of your savings and investments. Today, I'm joined by Richard Hunter, Head of Markets at Interactive Investor, to answer a question that one of you submitted. And as it's such a broad question, and one that will also be centre of mind at the moment for other investors, I thought it'd be best to focus the entire episode to it. So I'm going to read out most of the question now, but in essence, what's being asked here is is the UK stock market still worth investing in? So Alan asked, at the moment, when I look more to the US than Europe, it feels that I should focus my attention there. He points out that he understands that US markets are at the moment being driven by the Magnificent Seven, but he points out that you know there's been some companies in the UK that have decided to move their listing or their primary listing over to the States. So he flags that as a potential concern. And he also mentions everything at the moment just feels like the US is more on the front foot and delivering more for investors as opposed to the UK that feels like it's in the doldrums. So Richard, this is a question that for me is not an uncommon feeling at the moment in terms of sentiment towards the UK stock market. There's lots of headwinds or reasons not to invest in the UK. So where would you put the shortage of tech stocks in the UK up there in terms of a headwind, especially compared to the US market?
1: Yeah, you've got to consider that, as we'll discuss. Uh, a lot of that technology tailwind in the states is uh, pretty much, you know, concentrated in just a few stocks. But again. As markets move and as uh, economic cycles change, it can be that uh, investor attitudes change as well. If we look at 2022, last year, for example, when there was obviously the threat of a potential recession in investors' minds anyway, as uh, interest rate hiking cycles were going into another gear, what actually happened is that we had a switch out of growth stocks and into value stocks. And the FTSE 100 actually comfortably outperformed the US markets and that stack was down by over 30%. The FTSE 100 just about managed to stay in positive territory for the year. But the essence of the listener's question is absolutely right. We've had a look over the last 20 years and and rather than just um, talking about technology stocks we've looked at the S&P 500 which is a better benchmark although even that has its own a big exposure to technology. Now, over the last 20 years, if you look at the, the simple return, if you like, how much the index number has gone up, the FTSE is up by about 86%. Where you get the kicker is in terms of the total return. In other words, reinvesting dividends uh, and so on. And that goes up to 291%, which on an annual basis is just over 7%. So that's not a bad return. However, If we then look at the S&P 500, whereas the FTSE 100's total return was 291% over those 20 years, for the S&P 500 we're talking about 770%, so that where you're looking at an annualised return of 7% for the FTSE 100, you're looking at nearer 11.5% for the S&P 500. So there is little doubt that we've seen this situation where uh, technology household names um, and the lack thereof in the FTSE 100 has had a detrimental effect. FTSE 100 being seen by some as something of a Jurassic Park index full of ex growth companies, which of course are stable, well established, but don't necessarily have the growth prospects that some of the technology counterparts might have.
0: And of course, prior to the start of this year, Before, these US technology companies, the so-called Magnificent Seven, have seen their share prices sizzle in response to excitement, really, around the potential of artificial intelligence. The UK was out of favour already. I mean, it has been for a long time, pretty much since the Brexit vote, which created a huge amount of uncertainty. In terms of fund sales since that Brexit vote... In the vast majority of months, the three main UK fund sectors have seen outflows consistently every single month, and that's continued over the past year. So those three sectors, which are UK companies, UK equity income, and UK smaller companies, have been among the most unpopular with investors this year. The latest figures for August show that the worst selling sector was UK companies, which experienced outflows of 747 million there's lots of other headwinds. Um, you know, we've seen over a, an even longer time period the trend of over the past couple of decades, UK pension funds have been reducing their exposure to UK equities. There's also, in more recent times, been a lot of political instability. The UK has had five prime ministers since the 2016 Brexit vote, which was the same number as in the previous 37 years. And there's, of course, been the, the pandemic, which we you know we can't forget about, of course. And now. Um, In terms of the current macroeconomic backdrop, we're in a period of high inflation and high interest rates, which is deterring investors from investing in the UK market. As you mentioned, Richard, in terms of more recent performance, the FTSE 100 and the FTSE All share, they've held up well during this period of rising interest rates. And I think it's interesting to note that actually those indices, if you compare them to the S&P 500 since the start of 2022, They've actually outperformed, and also the Nasdaq as well, despite those magnificent seven stocks seeing their share
1: prices surge this year. Yeah, that's right, because the Nasdaq hasn't actually uh, recuperated last year's losses yet. As as we said, it's down over 30%. It's up about 26 27% in the year to date. Uh, with some of the more recent wobbles taking something of the shine off of that recovery. But of course, one of the big ironies of the 4100 in in the UK is that it's got very little to do with the UK in as much as around 70% uh, of earnings are derived from overseas and a big percentage of that in the States in particular. So there is that mirror which actually should, well, and does underpin the FTSE 100. And if you add into that, of course, the weakness of sterling, particularly against the US dollar, you've got an additional kicker because when those overseas earnings are translated back, when they're repatriated into sterling, obviously they're more valuable. So that underlying focus in terms of overseas earnings has been a help. And as we say, in terms of 2022 in particular, there was something of a change of attitude from investors from growth to value, which gave the FTSE 100 uh, something of a day in the sun.
0: But of course, the same cannot be said for UK mid and smaller cap businesses, which have suffered some pretty sizable share price decline since the end of 2021, when those interest rate rises started to happen. As we covered in episode 51 of the podcast, smaller companies, they're generally more domestically focused in terms of where they make their money. And also in a risk-off environment, smaller companies are among the first things on the list that investors sell. So that's also been another headwind for that part of the market. And of course, something to be aware of, which our listener was fully aware of when he asked the question, is that the performance of the US stock market has been led by a narrow number of stocks, the so-called Magnificent Seven. So the likes of Nvidia, Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, among others, they've had a really strong share price performance year to date. But it also rings true for the UK market as well you know over the past couple of years there have been a narrow set of winners for both the FTSE 100 and the FTSE All Share they've been driven by sectors like mining energy banks as well to an extent which have benefited from the macroeconomic backdrop of rising energy prices and higher inflation and i saw some figures which shown that in 2022 only a very small proportion of the FTSE 350 constituents around 20% outperformed the index which was the lowest number on record since 1990. And that was research from um, Berenberg. Richard, what, what are your thoughts on it being a narrow set of winners for the UK as well as the US? And will this potentially change in the future? Might there be a broader set of winners?
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of the FTSE 100, that isn't where you look for the apples of tomorrow. These tend to be well established companies. They have their own, um, very much their own attraction, not least of which, of course, is that uh, even though there were a number of dividend cuts during the pandemic, for example, the dividend yield with the Future 100 held up very well. And um, historically, it's been rather more generous in terms of shareholder returns than the, its counterparts in the States. Some have argued, of course, that perhaps the money could have been put to better use by reinvesting in the company as opposed to paying out its shareholder returns. But we are looking at something here which is an interesting one and, and we'll see whether it changes because in terms of the technology index or things technology related, it's quite difficult to think of any company these days which isn't technology related. Obviously you've got these uh, absolute beasts in the States which have now been embedded in the UK culture uh, as well as the global culture. If you think of the top 10 household names in the UK, if you look out the window it's not far Or long before you're looking at McDonald's or a Starbucks, you're very possibly using a Microsoft operating system, and you're very possibly using an Apple phone. We don't have companies of that scale in the UK, but that's not to say that the UK is not investable, but certainly over the recent decades, the amount of exponential growth has tended to follow those tech companies around.
0: And when there's a period where there's a narrow set of winners in an index, this makes it harder for an active fund manager to outperform. So last year, a lot of uh, UK funds struggled if they were underweight energy and oil due to the fact that those sectors had a stellar year of performance. And in terms of 2023, US active fund managers have got their work cut out because the chances are they probably are overall going to be underweight exposure to those big seven tech names. One reason for that is because um, there are fund rules that aim to avoid over concentration risk. So like open-ended funds, they can't have more than 10% in a stock. So if it's more than 10% in the index, the hands are effectively tied behind their back, they will be underweight that stock. And they also can't, if they if they have holdings that are um, 5% or more in their fund, then those holdings can't account for more than 40% of the fund's overall holdings. So, I mean, the rules are, you know, they're in place to ensure that active funds are appropriately diversified. And also, most fund managers, they are stock pickers. They're choosing shares based on certain attributes or fundamentals. So, it's unlikely they're going to hold all of those seven stocks. And it's more likely instead that, you know, they might have a couple of them. And of course, another factor is valuations. While a compelling argument could be made for any of those seven stocks, given the strong share price gains year to date, it's pushed valuations up. So many full managers will be hunting for better value opportunities elsewhere. Richard, I wanted to come back to one other point that was made in the question, in which was asked about some UK listed companies choosing to switch their listings or their primary listing to the US What are your thoughts on this trend? Why are UK companies doing this? And does this make the UK a less attractive place to invest?
1: Well, the most obvious recent example in terms of profile, of course, was Arm Holdings, which um, at one point many years ago was actually a FTSE 100 company. But in in terms of their return to the market, they obviously chose to to list in the States. From that IPO, the shares are up about 6% at the moment, although I have to say they're down about... 15% from the peak on the opening day's trading, that's in just over a month's worth. But quite simply, I mean, at the top line level, when it comes to tech in particular, you've got a US market, which is largely based on much punchier valuations than the ones we see in the UK, certainly deeper levels of liquidity. And of course, the US market as a whole is by far the largest market in the world. So it's, it's self-feeding in that respect. So you couldn't necessarily see a Marks & Spencer choosing a US listing, but for a technology firm to ride that particular wave of uh, very much of high valuations, you can see some of the credit there. And it may well be that in terms of that particular subsection of the market, the UK should and is concentrating on consolidating its performance as the leading European market um, as opposed to trying to take on the might of the US market. So for investors, I mean even what Warren Buffett has, has uh, not that long ago said that one of the things that he may well be deciding to do in due course is to simply buy a tracker as opposed to you know actively fund managing on the simple basis uh, as we discussed earlier of a multi-decade run that seems to be following the, the US markets.
0: In terms of, um, you know, when I speak to full managers, the UK is regularly pitted against the US. And, you know, obviously at the moment, UK full managers point out quite rightly that, you know, the UK market, it's a lot cheaper than the US. And it's also a lot cheaper than the moment compared to its own history. Do you have any figures to hand, Richard, to um, back up those claims?
1: Yeah, I mean, if we look at the sort of levels of current valuations, the, the punchy valuations we were just discussing, the S&P 500 is trading on around 21 and a half times. The world as a whole is trading on 19 times and the FTSE 100 is trading on 11 times. Now, that's the reason you keep hearing from UK fund managers that the UK market is cheap compared to either its global peers or indeed on a historical basis. I I think somewhere around 2007 leading into the great financial crisis. The general kind of level was that the FTSE 100 would have been trading on similar valuations to those other markets, but uh, you've already discussed some of the headwinds which we've had since then, not least of which it seems this uh, Brexit discount, for example. And investors chasing Which is the hub of the listener's question, higher returns elsewhere. I've seen commentary and I've also had
0: conversations, I mean, at conferences where, you know, full managers have compared some of their UK holdings with similar US listed companies and made the point that, you know, on valuation grounds, look, this company is a lot cheaper than one of its rivals. Over the summer, um, Nick Train put out an investment note where he singled out a number of holdings and compared them against similar US listed companies and pointed out that they were undervalued, and a couple of examples that he made at the time were Unilever, London Stock Exchange, Experian, Burberry, and also in a Nick Train's note over the summer, he pointed out that the thing is, markets, they can stay frustratingly cheap for a very long time. And one more point I wanted to discuss with you, Richard, is that, as you mentioned earlier, you know a lot of people were predicting a recession for 2023. I'm now seeing some people make Predictions of a recession for 2024. Others are saying that we may actually not fall into a recession. But in a recessionary environment, in theory, the UK, particularly the the large cap names in the FTSE 100, I mean, they might not necessarily do well, but you'd assume they potentially would hold up well in a recessionary environment. Given, as you mentioned, that they have more international exposure than domestic exposure.
1: Yeah, that's right. And um, as we discussed earlier, it might be an ex growth index the FTSE 100, but it does have its defensive qualities and um, regardless of what part of the economic cycle we're in, we're always going to have to heat our homes, we're going to have to eat and so on. And there are any number of stocks within the FTSE 100 which have this pricing power i.e. the ability to pass on higher costs to customers without necessarily unduly impacting their volumes. And we've been seeing that during recent times because of the spike in inflation. Companies have got higher costs themselves in terms of energy, manufacturing and all the rest of it. And some have been able to pass on a lot of those costs with a minimal impact on, on their transaction volumes. And you've got some some real household names in the FTSE 100, the likes of Unilever again, Ben uh, Benkaiser, who can easily do that in terms of the oil price and and the mining stocks, they could suffer in as much as, looking outside of the States, a lot of this is around Chinese demand which has tended to waver um, after they reopened after lockdown uh, and their latest lockdown restrictions. The Chinese economy did bounce, but that seems to have been faltering uh, of labour recently. Of course, the unfortunate developments in the Middle East have put a fire under the oil price yet again. But yes, in, in terms of recession, what tends to happen with defensive shares is that they still go down. Um, as as the index has, but they tend to go down by less. And I think 2022 is a good example um, where the possibility of recession is on the horizon and you get an index like the FTSE 100 outperforming.
0: And a final point for me is that if the rumours are to be believed, investors may have an extra incentive to increase their exposure to the UK stock market, In the upcoming autumn statement, one of the rumours doing the rounds is that the Chancellor is looking to encourage more investment into British businesses through the creation of an additional £5,000 ISA allowance to just invest in the UK market. Of course, time will tell on that one. And if there are changes to ISAs made next month, we will, of course, cover them here. My thanks to Richard and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.